for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. And this here, Pandora's Lunchbox, is a show about food and culture and what's going on around town every Thursday evening at 6.30. As I came up with an idea for this show, I started to wonder if maybe I'm just a little weird. Some of you who know me may already know that. Maybe you can just break it to me gently. But in the meantime, here's the thing. I'm going to have a little bit on this show about two very talented women who became big stars, one in movies, one in music, who died too young, and whose deaths were mischaracterized by urban myths involving food directly or indirectly. Doesn't happen very often, does it? And nonetheless, I'm going to tell you about those two people again. I don't know if I'm weird, if I'm macabre, but we'll get to that in a minute. In the meantime, German Park Picnic is coming up this weekend. That's going to be uh, at—you can look at GermanPark.com for all the information you could possibly need on that. It's three times every summer. It's in a beautiful spot. They have live music, German food and beer, live German dance performances. They have a performance this time, but you missed a Dorf Musikanten in June, I'm afraid. Unless you did see that, let me know. But this month, it's the Bavarian Showtime Band featuring Jay Fox. Says GermanPark.com, the Bavarian Showtime Band consists of all full-time pro musicians. Along with Jay on accordion, vocals, yodeling, cowbells, and schiplatting, the female singer vocalizes on all styles of music with lead and backup vocals and also performs on cowbells and schiplatting. The drummer is also a schiplatler and vocalist along with percussion. Did I pronounce that correctly? I'm not sure, but... Schaplatting is a kind of traditional dance. So there you go. All information you could possibly need on how to get there and what kind of drinks they have and stuff. They have a menu. They've got beer, wine, soft drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff. This is all at GermanPark.com. This is happening July 30th. That is coming up in just a few days. That is this Saturday. Starts at 4 p.m. and goes until... Question mark? Now, to celebrate this, we're going to play a song about beer and also to celebrate the political season, which is so delicious to everybody. Everybody loves this political cycle. Everybody's so happy with all of the possible choices. Aren't we happy? Yes. Yes. So in the political mood, I've got a song about Billy Beer. If you don't know, Billy Carter was Jimmy Carter's brother, his younger brother, And he promoted a beer called Billy Beer, which lasted a good year. And it was produced by Cold Spring Brewing, West End Brewing, and Pearl Brewing Company. It said on the can from Billy Carter, I had this beer brewed up just for me. I think it's the best I ever tasted, and I've tasted a lot. I think you'll like it too. 
Says here, according to Wikipedia, despite Billy Carter's promotion of Billy Beer, quote, in private, he drank Pabst, unquote. Hmm. So this here song is about Billy Beer and appropriately from the fact that Billy was from Georgia and the German Park Parade is in Ann Arbor. This is a song from Nebraska. Drinking Billy Beer by Norm Edelbeck and the Dutchman on Ray Records, Box 128, Columbus, Nebraska, 68601. This is a song about Billy Beer. It does mention Georgia. Perhaps not coincidentally, it shares the melody with Goober Peas, a song I played a few weeks ago that talks about the Georgia militia eating Goober Peas. Here, in fact, is a song about people from Georgia drinking. goes like this. Drinking Billy Beer. That was Norm Edelbeck and the Dutchman on Ray Records out of Nebraska. And that, there's no date on that, but it surely was the 1970s because they talk about Billy Carter's brother, the man who was ruling the place. You know, I'm talking about Mr. Jimmy. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. The German Park Picnic is this Saturday on Pontiac Trail in Ann Arbor starting at 4 p.m. Now, as I was saying earlier, there are two very talented women who became stars, became famous, and died untimely deaths. And then their deaths were mischaracterized, if I can say that correctly, and food was vaguely related to all of the above. Now, 
Marie Prevost was one of those women. She was born in 1898 in Sarnia, Ontario, just across the water from Port Huron, Michigan. Here's a little bit of her singing. She actually was made her uh, fame in silent films, but she did have some singing roles in some movies. So here's a bit of Marie Prevost. Since the day we met, I've been all upset, sweetheart. Wondering how and why and where you and I stand. This bundle would be heaven to you and me if I could just arrange it as I I'd make a play of every gray day if I had my way, dear. I'd have a songbird singing pretty love words for you alone. I'd make the night time one sweet delight time, and you'd be always near. We'd have our love to guide us, there'd be no thrill denied us, if I had my way, That was not me singing along, I promise. That was Marie Prevost and If I Had My Way from a 1929 movie entitled The Flying Fool. William Boyd was the star of that movie. Now then, this is Pandora's Lunchbox, and we are looking at Marie Prevost because, well, she died an untimely death in the early 30s, and I want let's, to let's backtrack a little bit and talk about the glory days for her, shall we? Marie Prevost was born in 1898, as I mentioned, in Sarnia. She made more than 100 silent and talking pictures. She was discovered by Mac Sennett, who signed her to contract and made her one of his bathing beauties in the late 1910s. Prevost appeared in dozens of his short comedy films before moving on to feature-length films for Universal. In 1922, she signed with Warner Brothers, where her career flourished as a leading lady. She was a favorite of director Ernst Lubitsch, who cast her in comedies like Kiss Me Again in 1925. But she was let go in early 26 by Warner Brothers. Her career began to decline. She was relegated to secondary roles. She was beset with personal problems. She dealt with the death of her mother, the breakup of her marriage. And this fueled her depression. She began to abuse alcohol and binge eat, causing her to gain weight, thus making it difficult for her to secure acting jobs. By 1935, Prevost was only able to secure bit parts in films. 
She made her last on-screen appearance in a bit part as a waitress in 10 Laps to Go in 1936. On January 21, 1937, she died of acute alcoholism at the age of 38. Her body was not discovered until January 23rd, after neighbors complained about her dog's incessant barking. Police found several empty liquor bottles in the room, along with a promissory note to Joan Crawford for $110. Prevost's estate was valued at $300 since she had squandered most of her earnings. Her death prompted the Hollywood community to create the Motion Picture and Television Country House and Hospital. Her death was featured in the book Hollywood Babylon by Kenneth Anger. In the book, Anger claims Prevost's Prevost's dog consumed her remains over the ensuing days to survive. So that's the urban myth that's gone around and around. However, Angers claims that Prevost's dog made mincemeat out of her mincemeat out of his mistress. Oh, that sounds so good in a book. Are false. While Prevost's pet dachshund Maxine did bite her legs in an effort to wake her up, the dog did not attempt to eat her body. So it's not true. However, there is a song memorializing Marie Prevost. It's actually called Marie Provost by Nick Lowe from 1978, and it is the story of the myth of Marie Provost and how she died, the myth now. So she was a winner who became the doggy's dinner, not so, but this is perhaps of all the dark comedic or just dark songs you've ever heard. This may be one of the most catchy. Goes a little something like this. Mary Provost did not look her best The day the cops bust into her lonely nest In the cheap hotel up on Hollywood West
She was a winner, but actually she did not become the doggy's dinner in spite of that song. And it is not Mary Provost, but Mary Prevost. On the other hand, that was Nick Lowe and Mary Provost. Got that? That is from the album Jesus of Cool in 1978. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. Arwolf has entered the room. He is going to prepare you and me for Face the Music at 7. Do not miss that. It's good stuff. Now, here is another story of a wonderful and talented woman who died an untimely young death. Her death was mischaracterized in a food sort of way. Snopes.com asks the question, Did Mama Cass Elliot die by choking to death on a ham sandwich? Status, false. Although many rumors swirled in the wake of the sudden death of 33-year-old Mama Cass Elliot in July 1974, that she died of an overdose, that the FBI had plotted to assassinate her, that she was pregnant with John Lennon's child, all kinds of rumors. The one that has become permanently entwined with her image is that she choked to death on a ham sandwich. The legend has a particularly cruel irony in that Cass Elliot's weight was fodder for many brutish jokes about her physical appearance, and the choking rumor fostered the impression that she had somehow brought death upon herself through her, quote, gluttony, unquote. Even the minor details of the rumor were unkind to her legend. She supposedly choked to death on a sandwich, a cheap pedestrian form of food, and the main ingredient of the sandwich was ham, which comes from pigs, an animal to which overweight people are frequently likened, not very kindly. According to the biography Dream a Little Dream of Me, it was Dr. Anthony Greenberg, the first physician to examine her after her death, who mistakenly sowed the seeds of the choked-on-a-ham sandwich legend. Greenberg immediately offered a straightforward explanation of Cass's death. His first impression, he told the press, was that it appeared to have been a simple case of asphyxia. From what I saw when I got to the flat, he told the Daily Express, she appeared to have been eating from a hand sandwich and drinking Coca-Cola while lying down. A very dangerous thing to do. This would be especially dangerous for someone like Cass, who was overweight and who might be prone to having a heart attack. She seemed to have choked on a ham sandwich, he continued, unwittingly giving rise to the myth that would still be in circulation more than three decades later. What Greenberg had presumably overlooked is that the small but pertinent fact that the sandwich by Cass's bed had not been touched, in fact, as recorded by Inspector Kenneth Hum once the police were called. The, in, the official findings of the coroner's inquest was that Cass Elliott died of a heart attack brought about by fatty degeneration of the heart muscle fiber, and nothing was found to have been blocking her mouth or throat. Cass Elliott had long been overweight and more than once overtook crash diets to lose a large amount of weight in a relatively short period of time, losing 100 pounds in a year at one point. The prolonged combined effects of obesity and severe dieting had weakened her heart to the point of failure. She also took a lot of drugs, which unfortunately many people did in the 60s to the detriment of their bodies. And so we lost a great singer, Mama Cass Elliott, who did not in fact die of choking on a ham sandwich. She died of a heart attack very tragically. I don't have a song by her about food, but I do have words of love which she always blows out of the ballpark every time she sings. Anytime you play this song, it just blows me away. Here is Cass Elliot, 
of the mamas and papas and words of love. the great and amazing Cass Elliot of the Mamas and Papas. That is Words of Love. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture and perceptions about food and people and events. Take a moment now to tell you about another event going on tomorrow. This is either a warning or good news, depending on your perspective. Part of Main Street will be blocked off tomorrow evening. Would you believe it in Ann Arbor? Really? There's going to be a big pre-celebration of the International Champions Cup. The soccer game is going to be at Michigan Stadium on Saturday. So on Friday night, there's going to be a big public party featuring music by the Stellars, the Third Coast Kings, and Laith Al-Sadi. It's going to be downtown on Main Street. It's going to be on the corner of Maine and Washington. It's a free event for everybody from 5 p.m. to to 11, 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. tomorrow in downtown Ann Arbor. And yes, part of Main Street will be blocked off as a result, just so as you know. It says here on this little flyer I have, there will be live music, restaurant specials, and more, hence the food connection. Now, speaking of food and such, here's good news from the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian will pay someone $64,000 a year to drink and research beer. The museum is looking to document the craft beer movement. This is from time.com. Beer nerds, it may be time to dust off your resume. This is a new role for the Museum of American History, according to the Washington City Paper. Funded by the Brewers Association, the position lasts for three years and seeks someone to 
who's interested in research, documentation, and collecting American brewing history. The museum has long collected information on food history, and in the course of its research, staff members became curious about the origins of the craft beer movement. We were looking at wine, coffee, cheese, artisanal bread, and farmer's markets, according to museum curator Paula Johnson. Well, this movement with small-scale local regional beer, beer is part of all that. The number of craft breweries in the U.S. grew by 15% last year to an all-time high of more than 4,200 establishments, according to data from the Brewers Association. This beer historian will work with staff members to develop collections on the burgeoning craft beer movement. The ideal candidate will have an advanced degree in American business, food, culture, or a similar specialization. An advanced degree in beer couldn't hurt. The beer historian should also have proven experience in research and oral history interviews, as well as writing for scholarly audiences. Additionally, applicants should be open to traveling for work. Applications are due on August 10th. There is an official job posting at this website, which is now about to appear on my screen very, very slowly. Have a drink. While the screen appears, it's AmericanHistory.si.edu. AmericanHistory.si.edu. Presumably, SI stands for Smithsonian Institution. This is still Pandora's Lunchbox. I'm still Mike for a little while longer. We were talking earlier about German Park Picnic this Saturday in Ann Arbor, 4 p.m. until with music and dancing and authentic German beer. Craft beer? I don't know. You'd have to check the menu. And we're going to play another song about beer for you. This is a cheerful song, a happy song. Let us drown our sorrow, shall we? This is a song that I play whenever I can. This is... This is... Here comes, let's have another beer, exclamation point. These are the comedian harmonists. It goes like this. This is how it goes. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Enjoy the comedian harmonists. Get ready for Arwolf and face the music. Keep on listening and never stop doing that. Here we go. Der blaue Vögelchen klebt. 
doch fled er auf weg unser Prachtgrammophon. Das Lied, worauf ankommt, das kennen wir ja schon. Jetzt trinken wir noch eins, jetzt trinken wir noch eins, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Hause. Jetzt trinken wir noch eins, jetzt trinken wir noch eins, und dann machen wir eine Pause. Und in der Pause, da ist mir ne Wurst, denn nach so einer Wurst kriegt man immer wieder durch. Hm. Dann trinken wir noch eins, dann trinken wir noch eins, und dann gehen wir noch nicht nach Hause. As the filmmaker Werner Herzog once said, he's from Bavaria, you know, he said, sometimes you just have to have a pretzel hot out of the oven and a mug of Pilsner, you know. Thank you, Mike. That was delightful. Let's have another beer from the Comedian Harmonists, the very popular singing group was considered racially impure by... Goebbels and the rest of the Nazi chumps back in the day, but now it's today. It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. 88.3 is the exact frequency. Hope your reception is good. If not, we'll uh, work on it with some misty old records. It seems like every time I put one of these shows together... I could really just call the uh, the playlist songs that talk to one another. And that's, uh, I think, the way radio happens a lot, among creative people anyway. And we're, we're trying to be very creative down here at Radio Free Ann Arbor. So I'd like to start with some Louis Armstrong from 1928 and then just keep paddling forward and backward at the same time. In the uh, the home stretch of this show, the second half, you're going to hear a lot of saxophones. So I think you ought to just absorb this stuff and see if it helps your uh, your psychological state. Okay? Here's some medicine. Let's face the music together. Hey, 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 well, Hines, why don't you let us in on some of that good music, Pops? Well, come on, yeah, let's get together then. Well, all right, tune up, boys. Is that all right? Is that oh, all right? that sounds pretty good. Yes, that sounds pretty good. I bet if you had a half a pint of Miss Cersei's gin, you wouldn't say that sound pretty good. Well, anyhow, we're going to play anyway. Say, come on, Zuda, whip them cymbals, Pops. Mm-hmm. 